Blau und weiß sein Leben lang. Herzlich willkommen zurück auf Shark America. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Joining me as always, co-host Jack Mangan. Jack, how are we doing? Doing well, sir. Uh, happy holidays, I suppose. Holidays. We're finally kind of into the year-end <laughs> holiday stretch. Uh, not a lot to celebrate from this past weekend, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Not a great result. Seemed to be a result that uh, sort of threw the online community in the into panic mode i feel like hysteria about, yeah um kind of like post new coach bump uh depression if you will so curious uh, what your thoughts are as we kind of get into things yeah it's um i think the problems that we had under rice remain um we've we had a minor new manager bump minor um and we're just we're back to our old ways and it's i don't know what it is uh i mean Yeah, it's it's interesting how they can't put too much of the blame on the coach, all the blame on the coach. I mean, I, I think at this point, players get a lot of blame because it's with through two managers at this point, um, and the same stuff remains. But uh, I don't know. What are your What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I just don't think we're very good as a squad, yep. which I've said before. Yep. Um, I think we're better than what we're showing, but perhaps not. Um, is definitely not definitely not playing that way at the moment um i think there's things that i like about the new manager i think that the way we're trying to play is often a little bit more identifiable um we have more consistent like shape and structure but uh yeah obviously this this past weekend was not great anytime you score five goals you're going to be thrown under quite a bit of scrutiny um i think the second half was much better than the first half however and yeah. so the extent to which i'm hitting like the doomsday button i think i'm a little bit less on that than perhaps some other people are but i'm also not under any illusions that we're not still you know very much needing to prove ourselves to get out of a you know a relegation fight um so i'm i'm being realistic i feel like but i also don't think that this this one performance is necessarily um, look out to uh nonders joseph and eric see you guys in the chat uh yeah um we won the second half right uh <laughs> You know, I think this game sums up perfectly what we've been talking about, Chalco, what they were, we thought they were uh, heading into the season. A decent attack that can score goals and a defense that scares the shit out of us that can't stop anything. It's pretty much what it is. It seems like the defense is worse and the attack is good. And so thus we give up more we give up more goals than we score. And so this game was uh, a, a whole thing encapsulated there. Um, I'll, I'll put the starting lineups in here. Not necessarily that we have to go through them. Um I got a lot of comments on this team, um, and I think it's going to show up as we talk about the game. Um, start standard, fairly standard starting eleven at this point, um, but uh, yeah, that's a question marks all the way around. I think overall, and I think you know, only thing I'll say I'll start off with saying is that uh, Fortuna Dusseldorf looked like Bayern Munich. Not only in their kits, right? Their kits are very Bayern Munich like, but we made them look like Bayern Munich out there just. First 30 minutes, I was like, oh, God, this is going to be an 8 nothing game. Like, what the hell is going on? You sent me a text. Um, I, I didn't get to watch the game live. I watched it in replay. But you sent me a text like, oh, God, what is this or whatever you said. And I'm like, what? I look like score 30 minutes in. I'm like, 3 nothing. What the hell? Like, how are you going to be, oh, God, already? The game just started. But damn. Yeah. Um, not ideal start to that in this one. Um, it's interesting. I, I, the one thing I'll say about Fortuna Dusseldorf, right? Uh, they they did look good, but how much is that because of us, right? They are but third or fourth in the table. They're up there, uh, but they their goalie plays very aggressive. He plays very reminiscent of Hamburg when they first got relegated when they tried to do this new whole goalkeeper sweeper thing where he played up very high in the pitch and was involved in defensive uh, distribution and stuff like that. So I, I noticed that right away because at times he was at like midfield, you know, just mm -hmm. playing playing the ball around and. Seemed very comfortable there. It was uh, eye-opening to me, and, and maybe it also says something about us that maybe they didn't feel threatened by us. That the goalkeeper was like, you know what, I'm gonna come play the game with you guys. I don't know. Uh, what are your thoughts on how on, on how I guess Fortuna this is the start of the game? I thought it was unnecessary as well because I don't feel like particularly in the first half, or at least early in the first half, we were putting a whole lot of pressure on the ball in those early build-up phases. No. Um, you know, you had sort of that's like you know the five-three-two defensive shape, and um, you know, if they'd play it out to like a wide center back 
or whoever sort of in those areas, you wouldn't have one of the midfield three coming up to like close down along with the striker. So they can kind of just go back and forth as needed until they found like the numerical overload or whatever they needed to do to, to kind of get forward. Yeah. But they did a good job of creating triangles on those sides. And once again, like numerical advantages to, to get through us. But um, yeah, yeah, I don't I mean, I noticed think the goalkeeper as well. And that just kind of added to what they were able to do. in once again, those early buildup phases um, initially pretty lifeless. I thought. I guess. Yes. Yes. I think that um, the whole defense was atrocious, but I think in particular the left side of the defense. And when I say that, I mean Kaminsky and Oyan. Um, on the first goal, Kaminsky and Oyan just ball watching. Um, Vermey, Vermey, uh, wide open, uh, gets a gets a shot off on goal and scores. Um, it's just like, what are you doing, guys? Like, two guys are just sitting there watching Vermey just sitting there. Boom, goal. I mean. Not the ideal way. What nine minutes into the game to, to get a goal just like that? Thirteen minutes into the game, um, and just ball watching as defenders—it's unacceptable. Yeah, um, to me, I'd blame this more on Kaminsky and Merkin than than Ovion. Maybe it was maybe um, it's Merkin I saw. Not um, I mean, you could, you could blame Ovion if you want to. I guess what I would say is uh, Ovion was the only guy that was like shoulder checking okay. and trying to make sure there wasn't somebody running in behind him. So he was kind of the furthest back and. and was kind of making sure he wasn't going to get beat by this guy. And then you could argue that he didn't do enough to, you know, follow the guy in front of him, but neither Kaminsky or Merkin checked at any point to see where their man was that they were on a second ago. So they drifted off of him and then, you know, we're completely out of position. So I blame that more on the center backs than moving on there. But yeah, um, I mean, it's just a, you know, wide ball back post, um, lose contact with your guy, easy header across face a goal. So yeah, pretty, pretty easy. Um, not well defended at all. I mean, if it's one of those balls where, you know, you're, you're pretty much on top of your guy, you go up for it and you just mistime it, or, you know, the guy beats you for it. That's fine. But you know, yeah, those, those uncontested headers are not, um, not what we're looking for, particularly when we're struggling the way we are. We need to actually make the people earn some of these goals a little bit harder, but a uh, nice delivery and nice finish from, yeah. uh, from this perspective. So um, good. And, and, you know, once again, moving the ball around, getting to various sides of the pitch um, to kind of stretch us out once they got into our half, I thought was good from them um, in in the first half. And then at some points later in the second half, once we kind of got tired out, I think. I think their their manager played this game right because either he knew or he saw, they saw early on that Shaka were playing zonal defensing. It wasn't man marking at all. And the players like Vermeer and some of these other guys were just dropping into the into the areas where they weren't any coverage. And Shaka wasn't willing to, you know, put, put a body on somebody and just left the guys wide open. And hence he was open there on the goal. And we saw this theme throughout the game. Uh second goal just minutes later, what six minutes later, Felix Klaus. Um again, ball watching by all the center backs and, and, and there. I thought Kaminsky was being useless at, at that point. Um as bad as the defending was, I don't think that goal should have counted. Um, I'm going to say that it should have been considered a offside obstruction play where I think it was Vermai again, um, who was in front of Fairman, an offside position while Felix Klaus was taking a shot and it went in. I've seen that called nine times out of 10 going against the, the, uh, the scoring side and it, the goal is wiped out. That's the, one of the first calls I've seen where that wasn't called. Uh, thoughts on should have been a goal or should have not, and then just the play overall and the poor defensive shape, I guess. Yeah, I didn't consider it from from that angle, from like a disallowed angle. I'd have to kind of... And that's what they were... Initially, VAR was going for. VAR was looking for that initially. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, maybe they just determined that it wasn't enough of a obstruction or something. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, ball comes in from wide. Uh, I was seeing a lot of Matriciani hate after this game, too, and I don't think this was his worst game. Um, I mean, if you're going to say like, last game oh, was worse. Was, if you're going to say like, oh, he was letting balls in from wide areas, it's like, okay, yeah, sure. You want to try to have a defensive posture such that you're discouraging people from playing those and occasionally block some of them. But if your standard is that you're never going to allow somebody to play a ball in from a wide area, I just think that's a little bit unrealistic. But um, yeah, ball, ball comes in, comes in low. Uh, Kaminsky, th there's two runners, right? Kaminsky's initially following his guy in sort of near post. And then once he realizes that the ball that's getting played in is being played in behind the two of them, he comes off his man to try to like step back and intercept the ball. He doesn't get there in time. Merkin is following the secondary runner who picks up the ball. Merkin's nowhere near his man. Uh, Kaminsky sort of like picks Merkin accidentally and Merkin has to go around the back of him and kind of gets separated from his man. Um, and then uh, Fairman kind of gets picked again 
by the, you know the the uh, the first runner right who's you're just saying was kind of like obstructing the shot oh, uh, yeah and uh yeah it's a, it's a clever kind of like finish but um for sure argue maybe fairman should do a little bit better there maybe he was unsighted um but yeah i don't think it, i don't think it was catastrophic from kaminsky in terms of how he played that i just think once again you have a second a second play in a row where um merkin's just nowhere near putting a body on somebody um so yeah, I'm not sure. I maybe 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 Kaminsky should have played that better. I thought yeah, I thought he was okay on that one, but yeah, just a, just a weird goal, sort of the way that ultimately um, went through a little bit less like decisive than the first one for sure. And it may have been just my my rage slowly building because at that point it was two plays, Kaminsky in the vicinity of both goals, and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You're being useless out there. Like really, you're not doing. Murky was any better, you know? And I, and I hear your hate about Matrisiani, not yours, but other people's hate about Matrisiani. Honestly, I think. Every single person on that pitch, and maybe even the managers as well, everyone on the bench, was at fault for the first 30 minutes. They were all trash. They were all ass. Um, and I probably say Kaminsky is probably the, slight, the worst of all of them. Again, that could just be because I was pissed off at he was in the vicinity of both those goals. But it was poor all, all the way across. Um, I still, you know, I, I refute that, that that should have been a goal that counted. But you know, it is mm-hmm. what it is. Fortuna was by far the better team at this point, uh, first 20 minutes, and they were just completely annihilating us. Um, By the way, real quick, we also had a handball that we didn't get. Yes, that was Drex, Drexler was playing across, and like we have seen that e- we have seen that exact thing called on us every many time. times. Every time, so I mean, like I'm not saying that like that has to be a penalty necessarily because I kind of hate those penalties in the first place. But could that have been a penalty? 100, percent that could have been a penalty. Would I don't it have know why it wasn't game? seen or called. So I mean, Drexler was complaining about that. I think he actually had a point when you saw the replay. The guy was definitely in the box, and that I mean, his arm was pretty far out behind his body yeah um made clear contact so um anyway go ahead sorry no no that that could have completely changed the game honestly with the momentum wise because at that point it was, we get down to nothing and then minutes later uh for gets his second again uh the third goal of the game for for Fortuna Dusseldorf I thought Fairman was poor on this one um <laughs> Kaminsky again gets into my my radar because he was marking Matriciani on that goal why and, and I don't know why uh, on the goal line there American picking his ass i don't know what the hell he was doing uh it was just horrible defending once again in vermai now granted fairman misreads that play along the crossbar and then wasn't aggressive at all going for the for the, the loose ball it's like what are you doing man so it's like every person in the defense was sixes and sevens back there including the goalkeeper and i was like really this is the kind of game we're gonna have right here yeah um you know if, if the second goal was less decisive than the first the third goal was significantly less decisive than <laughs> yeah. either of the first two um, like you said, it's it's a weird crossfield ball, ball sort of back post. A shot comes in. He hits kind of the corner of, of the crossbar, um, and it pops the ball up really high in the air um, so that such that it's landing sort of directly in the center of the goal, like right in front of uh, yeah. where the goalie would typically be standing. Uh, I thought Fairman was super weak on this play, like kind of briefly makes contact with somebody and falls down. Like he needs to go up way stronger than that. So that was disappointing from yeah. um, Fairman, especially now that he's all like tatted up and like trying to show off his muscles and stuff. Like I thought that was not his best moment. Um, yeah. But likewise, as you said, you have Kaminsky and Matriciani both on the actual goal line <laughs> trying to block intellectual shot and there's no one that's actually trying to go up and win that ball in the first place no. like minsky would have been much better served with his height and you know what i mean like going up and trying to win that and clear it and it was yeah it was way too passive on that play so just another like really weird broken play where it kind of scrambles across the goal line um yeah di- super disappointing but like and once again maybe i should be putting more stock in this than i am i just feel like that goal and, and to some extent the goal before that were just sort of weird plays that I don't yeah. necessarily know are super indicative of like bad issues, like structurally as, as such as more just like a lack of effort and like individual focus. I don't know, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm totally giving us way, way too much credit for those plays. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a good point. Cause I, you know, we titled the, this podcast fragile and I think it's a fragile mindset with this team. And the one obvious thing outside of how, bad we looked was that we were losing every 50 50 play it was like they wanted it they got it every time anytime there's a broken play you knew that we we're going to be on a bad a bad end of it whether it's you know they get the ball back or they they whatever it's always going to be them getting the so we look like we were lacking passion 100 lacking uh trying lacking everything uh and those three goals i mean as the goals went in it got particularly worse and worse in terms of what we were we just seemed like loss and it seems like whenever there's a broken play we run around with our heads like heads with uh, chickens with their heads cut off, 
And it's like we we work so hard on being disciplined on what we see, we know is coming. We need to work more on like when there's chaos happening, you know, being smart and trying to just clear the ball. No nonsense. Be strong. Like your fairman, go after the ball. Be strong. You got you, you like you said, you got tattoos. You think you got muscles that they're trying to show it off. Go out there, kill somebody. You're a goalkeeper. You have a little bit more leniency than anybody else. Like, go for it. You know, Kala, same thing. I mean, all these guys are just like not enough gumption and going for the ball. Yeah, you got, you got to look at loose balls as opportunities. Yeah. And just sort of like inconveniences or, or you know, get, adopting a reactive mindset. I'm like, okay, how am I going to position myself to deal with this once the opposition comes down with this? Where's the Jermaine uh, yeah, Jones that really, we need, right? <laughs> right. It was just, yeah, it was just, it was way too passive. The third goal was a very, very bad goal to concede for sure. Um, and, and indicative of, I think, a, a lack of energy and focus in the first half with um, at least the initial grouping that was out there that started the match before. Some of them got the, uh, got the hook early. Yeah, well, uh, our man uh, Drexler, who, you know, I, you know he, he just re-upped recently, uh, you know, to 2025. And, you know, I, we had a video and I said that, you know, he's probably more better suited as a super sub just because he doesn't have the minutes. And he, got, he gets injured, unfortunately. He had nothing to do with, you know, him not being fit or anything, it just he, he's got injured. I think it was a groin injury. I mean, I've got a million groin injuries in my in my life. Uh, they're painful, and uh, you can't really prevent them from from happening. And so uh, he gets injured. He gets pulled in the thirtieth minute, but he wasn't the only one. Thomas Oyon gets yanked, and Templeman get yanked. Both players very poor, I thought, in the first half. Uh, Oyon, in particular, he was giving up a lot of balls offensively. He seemed lost out there. Templeman had a couple of flurries, but really wasn't contributing offensively or defensively. Um, Oyan in particular, as he came off, very angry. And I can, I can see why you're angry coming off in the 30th minute. I would be too. Didn't bother shaking the coach's hand. I think he said something to the coach as well. Um, he ends up with a, getting a discipline for that, very similar to what Timo Baumgartel got. Uh, Thomas Oyan got suspension for went down to the U23s and fined as well. I think it's just for one game. We'll double check that. Hopefully, he's back for the Osnabrück game, but um. I guess it would be that was the Brook game that he would get suspended for, but uh, yeah, three three changes had to be made, Jack, and uh, or changes had to be made, and that was Gerard's. Gerard's had to do something. We have, we've seen this before, right? Tedesco was known to do that a lot. Uh, pull guys in the first half when when things were going their way. Um, thoughts on those substitutions happening, in particular the two that were that were not injuries. Yeah, the Temple one, one I was fine with. I thought he was either anonymous or just kind of negative. Um, in in the first half, uh, I sort of disagree with you on Uvian. I thought, I thought he misplaced a couple of passes, but they were sort of like through ball attempts in the final third. And I tend to give people the more of the benefit of the doubt when they're being positive and aggressive. It's not as if he was just sort of hitting a horizontal pass in build up that was sort of misweighted, and then you know, guy had to chase after him and lose the ball that way. Um, and I don't think he was terrible defensively early um, either. So I can understand him being upset with being taken off. I think I think you had to change something, and I actually applaud him for once again having sort of the gumption to, to, to you know switch two people. I mean, if you don't want to count Drexler because he was injured, and was going to have to yeah. switch anyway. But like an additional two people yeah. in the first half, I actually kind of respect that in a situation, if for no other reason to send a message to the team to wake people up. But I, I definitely felt like OVM was not even remotely the worst person on the pitch at that point. And so yeah, I agree with being that. upset. Um, but I also understand, you know, especially since relatively early into the manager's kind of reign. That, you know, if he thought that the response was just kind of over the top or out of line, that he wants to kind of put a kibosh on that and send a message early, which is kind of like, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, or how valuable you are, like from a perception standpoint to the team, like no one's above the team concept. So, yeah, frustrating that it had to go that way. Um, yeah, hopefully Ovion's fine going forward. Um, he did apologize after the game. Um, but uh, in the replacement, more would come in for Drexler, and you would have Idrizi coming in and Seguin as well. Uh, so, yeah, usually when you have the substitutions, you you hope to see an immediate impact as a result, like the extra fire or something, you know, right? To set up a wake up call. And you, I didn't really notice it, Jack. I don't know if you did, but it just seemed like we continued to turn the ball over as the first half went uh, went on and on. We didn't get our first shot until what third minute of stoppage time in the first half, um, yeah. Paraman, but. I think I think generally I'm not a huge fan of Seguin, but like, but I will say that like I think when he came out in this game, he actually did bring some of what we needed, which is I don't know. I, I felt like he's he's able sometimes to play passes in rhythm better than some other people. Yeah, like certainly better than Templeman, who I think is a little bit wild and kind of like doesn't have the right weight on things at times. 
Um, Seguin, like you could tell he's looking for various options and evaluating them. He usually plays something that kind of like I, I think facilitates a nice, I don't know. I, I liked his, I liked the way he was, he established a tempo for us, I think, when he came in a yeah. little bit in possession. I, so I do think he helped to ca- kind of improve, um, sort of our, our tempo and build up in possession when he came in, although it didn't obviously yield dividends initially. Um, and I do think with more and Adrizi, despite, you know, a lack of sort of any sort of cohesion offensively in the first half, um, I do think they, brought a lot more energy off the ball um, in in the 15 or so minutes before the first half ended. So I do think that they improved sort of what we were doing against the ball to some extent at the end of the first half. So I give them that credit. And also in, in favor of Tobias more like regardless of how well he plays, he usually is one of those guys that actually is putting in a shift every time he comes yeah. on. Yeah. And like the, for a club in the situation that Chalk was in, that like has to be the baseline for anybody to make to make the starting 11 and that's something that the manager has been talking about is trying to improve their fitness so they can actually compete physically so i actually really appreciated that from tobias born and, and respected that because he tends to do that you know pretty consistently into that uh, on saturday yeah I, I agree about that uh i thought he did, I certainly put a shift in this one and so we went to halftime three nothing i mean luckily we didn't get penny goals the last 15 minutes of that first half but man three goals in the first 30 uh even if it was a 20 first 25 or something like that but uh Horrible the first half, uh, is as bad as you can get, honestly. Um, making it like I said, making making Fortuna look like Bayern Munich, uh, especially with those kits. It didn't look that great. You what I wanted to see what it was gonna second half was gonna bring out. Um, we got a we got a little bit of a break, I think. You know, as the second half came out, we looked we started to look a little better, uh, but I think Fortuna were so comfortable with that three nothing lead that they didn't play as well as they did in the first half. And we started seeing a little bit more errors that we, that we hadn't seen in the first half from Fortuna. And in particular, the 57th minute, uh, a, a horrible error by missing, you know, the, the players running and paying attention or whatever ball goes through, gets into, gets on the end of, I forget who it was. Maybe, maybe it was uh, a or someone in the cross comes in last one, you know, probably arguably my man of the match for Schalke uh, plays a nice ball, header right into, right to the path of Kaminsky and Kaminsky slots it away it wasn't like a powerful shot or anything he's a well well played shot gets it past the keeper and he's boom okay well, we got a goal all of a sudden it's three to one we've got a chance here um I just thought that Fortuna's misfortune and then our heads up play on that was particularly the last one to like not try to go for a goal but he, he saw an open guy and, and and laid the ball off to him perfectly and Kaminsky you know slot the ball away it, it was a bit a bit of fortune there for us and uh in a game that was so dreary that was a, a, a nice bright spot just to like kick the second half off yeah the origins of that move were definitely sort of like a broken play situation and i understand you're calling that fortunate from our perspective i do think that like once again against the ball our energy levels and our effort and our sort of um our cohesion was was better to start the second half um and so we were putting a little bit more pressure on them um a little bit more compact uh and uh closing things down but anyway um yeah, so it's interesting that you mentioned Lasman as your man of the match because much better second half of him, in my opinion, than first half. I actually thought sure. he was one of the For worst sure. players on the pitch in the first half. Um, interestingly, before Drexler was was taken off, there were multiple moments, too, where he was like kind of yelling at Lasma about various things. Um, I know there was one moment in particular where um, Lasma kind of got on the end of a loose ball, but he was getting closed down. And Drexler was like right there for like a five yard back pass and could have received it and then like played him forward. And yeah. Lasma tried to do like a weird like turn solo and take somebody on and he lost the ball. And Drexler was like, yeah. just just dink it to me and keep possession and let's, you know, let's build something. Yeah. Um, so I did, I did think Lasma was a little bit selfish in the first half at times. And also, like, you know, if he's going to be dropping that deep for like hold up play or not, I mean, it, it could have been off of like a possession too. So maybe I'm getting the situation wrong, but like actually link up with people and utilize them and don't try to go solo mode and like, you know, dribble everything on your own and, you know, turn up field. So, yeah, um, I still have some questions too about Lazma, whether or not I think he is better out wide or central, but we can talk about that later. Anyway, much better second half, as we were saying, and an unselfish play on this particular goal because the cross comes into him. He's kind of backpedaling, has a couple guys that he's drawing into his orbit and probably realizes like, there's not a whole lot I'm going to be able to do from the situation. Yeah. And just kind of softly heads it back towards the center of the goal. As you said, uh, Kaminsky and somebody else was there. Kaminsky kind of whips a foot at it beautifully placed, like right into the corner. Uh, Kaminsky had a rip in the first half too. That was wide to the yeah. right, but like not dissimilar. And we know that Kaminsky's got a leg on him, score some, you know, some set piece goals now and again. So actually really, yeah, really impressive strike from Kaminsky. Nice goal. And, you know, take it, get back in the game and, and go from there. 
Absolutely. Uh, one nothing at that or four four three one at that point. Um, I think you know it's funny because I think everyone who was on the pitch in the second half from the first half played substantially better. I think everyone was really bad in that first half. In the second half, most of the guys were a lot better. I thought in the second half, Lasma Kaminsky, uh, a guy, a guy who was just ripping a couple minutes ago, uh, he was. I thought he was better in that second half. Um, I think for me the, the the tide for Schalke change, uh, and it's going to sound funny because a goal happened after this, but I think that the, the change of the game for me for Schalke is when Tobias Moore goes to the bench and Gerrard gives him a piece of paper with new directions, like this. We're going to do this from going forward, and he's like share it to the whole team. And from that point on, what we saw from Schalke is the pressing began sort of happening and it caused uh, Fortuna to play very, you know, uh, sloppy passes and losing the ball and shocking in the ball. Lasma and a couple other guys started, uh, Matriciani started stealing the ball from people and stuff like that. And I thought that was good immediate reaction from Gerrard and, and, and company to kind of change things up. And, and they had to smell blood in the water and try to increase the pressure on Fortuna and call, try to get them to cause more turnover. So maybe, you know, more opportunities the other way. I think I mean I think for like the first like five seven minutes after the goal that we scored, um, that kind of gave us some some life and some buoyancy, and and yeah. the, once again defensively got much better in that period. Then I felt like we kind of got fatigued for a bit, and the game opened up a little bit, and they started yeah, having more opportunities in transition, which is kind of where they ended up scoring their fourth. But um, yeah. yeah, no, I would agree with the sentiment for sure that it was much better in the second half than the first half, definitely. And to your point, the game did open up, and and that fourth goal was again poor defending from everybody. Matriciani kind of pinched unnecessarily because I thought Kalash was Kalash was there. Um, Kalash, you know, tries to go and get the guy on the backside. Uh, who is it? Um, uh, the the Greek player uh, Soldis or whatever his name is uh, goes to the ground for like no reason. I, I think he was premature on that. I. I I don't know. He went down and guy gets a wide open shot and scores a goal, a rocket of a shot past Fairman. Um, but again, poor defense once again. Uh, open play. We just can't be that open against a team that has playmakers like like Fortuna do. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, Kalash went to ground kind of early. Patriciani couldn't recover. Um, and it's a nice, nice finish overall, you know, uh, to, to the far post for, for number four. But um yeah, a little bit too easy, too exposed. Uh, and the, yeah, that's when they start. I mean, second half at, at times, like I said, once it opened up, um, well, we were kind of narrowed to the box a lot. And, and so they, yeah. they ended up getting a lot of these sort of like backdoor runners coming in sort of unmarked or creating, once again, numerical overloads where it's like Patriciani's like tight to people because he's trying to defend a ball that could be coming to like the man that he's in front of. But then there's people way behind him that can get in and, you know, these long yeah. balls. So that was, yeah. that was a problem for sure. Um, I mean, I thought it was interesting though. Like in, in the, I think it was even in the first half when we made that triple sub that we changed shape too, because we started off once again sort of that five three two like defensive shape or whatever, and then um, moved to more of like a four two three one uh, when those substitutes came yeah. on. We had like sort of you know two people more deep with you know uh, it was like Tobias Moore was playing left wing right, and Merkin moved over to left back. He wasn't playing center back anymore, Correct. so yeah, he just moved to back four. Um, I, I don't yeah, I'd have to I, I we haven't played a lot of that under the new manager, so I'm interested no. to see whether or not he actually ends up going with that more consistently or just happened to be like that particular mix of personnel informed yeah. that change of shape. So something to keep an eye on too. Yeah, one of the first things he said when he first joined the team is like, you know, I'm a, you know, this is a formation I like. However, the team's gonna show me what their strengths are and we're gonna adapt to that. And maybe that's part of that, you know, with the with the change of shape and change of formation there. But uh you know, you had mentioned uh, Tobias Moore playing on the left-hand side, and you also talk about backdoor, and uh, both those would be would, would come to you know fruition on the 74th minute, where a sensational cross by Moore. I thought, you know, he's he typically go, likes to go with his left foot, but you know, he cuts onto the right foot, gets a nice cross in and backdoor. You see Kalash, uh, what he's doing that, that far up, I don't really care, but you know, hey, he played, he got on there and he put it away. Naldo-esque, if you want to call it, uh, wonderfully it very similar to Düsseldorf's first goal against us. Like yeah, very similar, yeah. yeah, very similar play. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, made it at that point four to two, and we're like, okay, okay, there we go. I like it. The, the, the momentum came back immediately, and you're like, okay, let's just ride this momentum. I'm thinking, you know, the next five ten minutes, let's, let's ride this momentum. It took thirty seconds, Jack. You're like right off the kickoff, uh, they turn it over, and our boy Idrizi heads up play over the top, gets it to Lasma. And we 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 talked about last when at times he gets he tends to be too selfish. He tries to beat everyone by himself. 
on this play, it worked. He bullied the defense, goes right through him, really, and gets a shot past the keeper. And all of a sudden, it's, within 30 seconds, we get two goals, and it's four to three at this point. We're like, oh, my gosh. And before you say anything, this weekend, I believe it was this weekend or this game, was a six- or seven-year anniversary of the 4-4 game against Dorman. Schalke Twitter kept posting it all week long, saying, hey, remember this Remember this day seven years ago or whatever it was? And I remember in a Discord chat, someone said it was at halftime, and someone says, like, hey, it's a recipe for of a comeback now. You know, it's a 3 nothing down. Who knows? Obviously, they say, you know, tongue-in-cheek. But 4-3 at this point, with 15 minutes to play, you were like, hey, Jack, this might happen here. I mean, two goals in 30 seconds? I'll take it. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, that that second goal, uh, the, the for number three, um, Seguin gets it to Idrisi, little rainbow touch over yeah, the defender, yeah. and then like on the volley lead pass touch, kind of blooper over the top to, um, to Lasma. So super nifty, super clever from Idrisi. Love that. I mean, yeah. look, I mean, I, I don't know why it's been Matriciani of all of our sort of like younger players that have come through that the coaching and the apparatus is sort of determined is the guy. When you think of all the other people that haven't quite gotten like the run in the team that he has and like a is another sort of like, you know, once was lost, but now is found kind of making his way back into the flock here. And this is kind of one of his first opportunities yeah. in the new manager. Um, it wasn't always the cleanest in this game. No, uh, but like liked his energy, liked his you know how locked in he was and, and everything. And then this particular sequence was lovely from Adrizi. And then yeah. I mean Lasma, this is where he can shine at times. Um it just it's the balance too. It's not just like strength, it's the balance and the body control yeah. to be able to like, you know, he's feeling a ball, it's kind of turning him backwards away from goal while holding off a defender and is able to kind of do that whole thing. And you know, it's a it's a very acrobatic finish. So yeah. Um, props to him, like you said, much better second half, had the assist, had that play there. Um, good stuff. And yeah, the four three was uh you, you hate it because it makes you hope a little bit, and you know that Schalk was more likely to dash those hopes than not. But it was nice, nice for a minute. Good response from the team. Um, yeah, I like to see it. This happens every game with Schalke. It doesn't matter how the game goes, there's always a get you back in there with the hope. The hope, there's always an optimism that hey, we might do this, we might do this. We've seen it in the past. So it's 4-3 for you know, the last 15 minutes of the game. Game opened up immensely. I mean, it was wide open, wild west at this point. You know, opportunities going left and right. Both teams getting opportunities. Uh, Shaka certainly looked much better in that second half than the first half. Uh, the three of the best uh, opportunities in the second half. You had Karaman had a great opportunity. Should have put it away, really, with you know with the way he cut in front of the goal there. Uh, Vermai had a close chance in the other end. Poulter had a chance, too, where I thought for sure that was going to go a goal. Very, very weak on the shot there. And then um, time is just ticking and ticking and ticking away. Vermay gets an injury right at 90-minute mark. And they're saying six minutes, and he's down for like five minutes, it seems like. Uh, but then at 94th minute, our hopes get dashed when Carl Yastrzemski <laughs> leads the break, uh, leads the counterattack, and... Uh, he finds Nemich, the guy who just came off the off the bench and scores a fifth goal for for Fortuna, makes it five to three at that point. Game set match, um, wide open. There was a lot of chance in that second half. Uh, we didn't, that maybe the opportunities weren't as great as they could have been, but I, I like seeing it that open just because we had that hope and like anything could have happened where we could have scored that fourth goal and made it you know a tie game, but. Uh, this is another one where I'm kind of saying like, yeah, the score like, conceding five goals is bad, but there's a couple of these are just weird goals are not really indicative of like poor defensive performance overall. Like at that point in the game, we're throwing everything forward, trying to make something happen on a set piece. And it's, it's a counterattack off of a corner kick and it's a fresh leg goal. They just made all, all these subs, as yeah. you said, and yeah, it's guys yeah. with fresh legs, um, you know, with kind of an open chance to counter. I mean, so yeah, yeah, I'm not putting too much stock in us conceding there. No, no. We, we were we were going for the comeback to make it the 4-4 and it didn't work out for us, but I mean, the game was lost well before that in, in other areas, so yeah. um, yeah, disappointing that it ends that way, but uh, you know, I liked the response, at least in the second half, um, and like I said, given the way some of those goals went through, even though some of them were pretty bad goals to concede, um, for some reason it wasn't as, I don't know, I just wasn't as demoralized by the performance as I feel like some people were. Um, but I, no, I, I think that second half performance brought it back because I think the first 30, first 45 minutes was bad. It was bad. I mean, I can see why people were down doldrums, but the second half, there was that fight that we were looking for all game long. And I think like one of my first you know, things I want to talk about is that it's this fragile mindset. We give up a goal and I know Gerard's is trying to change this and, and Thomas Rice talked about trying to change this, but like we get a, we give up a goal and all heads drop. 
and another goal usually happens short after. I think even the commentator said, like, usually when Shaka gives a goal, they usually give a goal in quick succession because they, they just are not ready for it. Um, and it's the first 30 minutes. We saw this under Thomas Rice. We saw it now maybe two or three times now under Gerrard's. The first 30 more minutes, for whatever reason, the team is just not awake, and then they, they have to get battered by two three goals before they're like, oh, it's time to play a game now. Let's go. And then they look much better after that. Um, what do you think is would be the reasoning for that? Because, like, yeah, part of it you want to say it's the manager's fault because he has to get his team ready, right? But he can only do so much. The players are on the pitch. They're going to have to be the ones performing. Uh, I'm torn. I think it's obviously 50-50 in terms of blame, I think. How do you feel about that? Because first 30 minutes not being ready, time in, time out, it's, it's unacceptable. Yeah, I, I have no idea, honestly. I don't know how to explain that. It does seem like the team isn't as as um, stable or level as you would want them to yeah. be kind of yeah. throughout various game states um, or, you know, in terms of what's happening. Like, like you, you don't want a team to go down a spiral if they concede. And you also don't want a team to get, like, noticeably, noticeably better after they score. Like, yeah. you would like the effort and sort of the performance to be pretty level, and then hopefully, you know, it goes your way. You don't want to, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like we tend to kind of go with the flow of the game a lot more than we should, like, emotionally and energy-wise, which is weird. But, um, yeah. yeah. Instead of dictating, we go with the flow, you know, it's like... Uh... Sure. Yeah, and definitely, I mean, definitely conceding in the first half way too often. Like, like we're digging ourselves holes in these games far too, far too much. Like, I mean... Uh, we we have to find a way to try to keep like first half clean sheets, yeah, and at least keep ourselves in it until halftime. There's way too many times where we're, where we've conceded, you know, two goals plus in the first half, and, yeah. and it's impossible to dig yourself out of that. And what's infuriating too is like the few times that we do get the first goal, we're like, okay, this is what we want to see, and then we give up like three goals after that. You're like, we can't win, we can't win. Yeah, I mean, the um, fact of the matter is, if you're scoring three goals in a game, you should win the overwhelming majority yes. of games in which you score three goals. And it seems like if we score two or three recently, or from British this entire season, entire us season. scoring us scoring multiple goals is almost doing nothing for our like win percent. Like it just seems like because we're conceding three, four goals like all the time. I am curious um, now because I want I feel like we scored two or three goals many times and lost. Okay, obviously Dusseldorf's one, right? Um I could be being hyperbolic, but like it's it certainly seems that way. Like, you know what I mean? Like just it could be. But I feel I feel the same way as you. And every game we look at one goal. <laughs> uh, Magda, uh Magdeburg we won that game. Um damn, yeah, we don't have, we don't have that many games. But Hamburg, yeah. It seems like it's a lot more. Yeah, it's only con- been two conceded, games. Conceded five in the first week to, to Hamburg. And now conceded so three to score. Magdeburg, three to St. Pauli, three to Paderborn three to Karlsruhe. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's, it's, it can't happen like that, but yeah, when you, when you score that many goals, you should win majority of the time. Um, I kind of want to go to your talking point that you want to talk about earlier because it kind of goes to my talking point after that. But uh, you mentioned Brian Lassman and, and, and which is better suited for him being either in, in the middle as an attacker or out wide left. Uh, tell me your thoughts on that. I, I don't know. Um, I understand him playing central to some extent just because the options that we have there are basically like Tirada, Top, or Poulter. Tirada just doesn't seem to be an option there as a starting player consistently. Or on the bench, um, apparently. Poulter is definitely more of a physical presence and has some improvements over Tirada in areas, but just like doesn't score nearly enough goals and isn't as dangerous yeah. offensively yeah. as you would need that consistently. And then Top's just not there yet, you know, as a youngster to be able to kind of show that he can take on that role with any consistently. So I get it from that standpoint, but I, I don't know. There's times where I feel like, especially with his first half performance, yeah, there's a lot of like dribbling happening, a lot of him trying to take people on, and it's, there's not enough facilitation. And I feel like sometimes if you can just kind of keep him out of the game for a minute, kind of on the periphery, and then, you know, play to him in rhythm as we're kind of crossing the midfield line. He has the kind of pace to be able to, you know, take a quick touch or two with his long strides, get himself a yard of space when it's like a one-on-one foot race and be able to whip in some balls from wide areas. And I feel like that would be a pretty useful outlet for us or a kind of chance creation mechanism, yeah. or at least advanceable the final 30, you know, whip some balls and that kind of thing. And so I feel like he's kind of being wasted when we don't have him there. When he's central, um, I mean, yeah, once again, great balance, great physical presence as we've talked about, and he can do some things, but I feel like he's almost more dangerous in wide areas when he can use his pace and his, and his, I mean, I hate to use like pace and power right in that sort of like stereotypical thing, but like we've, we've literally seen him do that in a Schalke shirt, like moments where we look like we have nothing on ball goes out to him. He smokes somebody in two steps and then has, you know, space to do something, whether it's, you know, shoot, you know, dribbling in himself or, or, or 
supplied to somebody else. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I don't know. It's weird because like it's like this combination of like Caraman and and Lasma, and neither one of those guys are like the most convincing forward players for that kind of that kind of role. So, oh. um, is yeah, it's frustrating from a personnel standpoint. I don't know. How, how do you feel? I mean, do you think he's better used where he's been used recently? I mean, obviously, second half much better performance, but it's just sure. do you understand my point at least? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you one hundred percent. I called him the new Marius Boulter for a reason because I I see a lot of similarities of Boulter. Boulter's good, better on the wide side, uses pace. Now, Boulter's a bit better technically with, with his feet, but Lass is pretty good, too. He's got good pace, too, and he's got good balance. I mean, they both were number 11, right? Uh, what, what was the first first game we saw under Gerrard's in the, in the friendly against Heracles? Ball comes out from Oe on into the back. Guys all over. He does his one nice touch around him and smokes him, goes down and scores a goal. Saw us again a couple, a couple games later. Um, I think he's best used, like you said, on the wing with the with the ability to come in and feed the ball into the middle. Maybe you know, maybe Kyraman should be more centralized than than he is because they've been putting him on the wing, and he's got he's got okay pace, but nothing like Lasma, not at all. Um, and I think Kyraman may be better suited to be as a striker. He in his career, he typically hasn't been that. He's been more like the attacking midfielder or something like that. But uh, I think if you have between the two. Um, you'd want Lasma wide because I agree with you. I think the pace can cause issues for defenses, much like other other teams' offenses do that to Matriciani and Oian and Merkin or whoever back there. Um, Lasma certainly his speed is certainly an asset we need to take advantage of, and it showed on that goal that he scored uh, to make it five three or four three. So I agree. Yeah, with you. yeah, and particularly when some of the other options on the pitch at that time were like Matriciani. At, you know, right back, and then Tobias Moore, who like has obviously great delivery from the final third, but he's not blowing by people on the left wing, you know, generally speaking. Um, so I don't know, it just feels like a missed opportunity to kind of take advantage of one of those attributes. Not that he doesn't have attributes that he brings to the game when he plays centrally as well. So I don't know. Now, I do want to say, I before I go, I got one more talking point, and then I do want to mention Clemens Tony's. I know we don't want to talk about him, but I got to. Uh, but first, the talk, last talking point, which is kind of uh, the next point from the from the last one thing is with Gerards, he's he's obviously said he wants to play attacking football, beautiful football, but he wants to stabilize the defense. And we've seen that it's been like a five three two or something to that effect uh, in the in the beginning of the games because he wants to stabilize the defense, but we're clearly not good enough to try to stop teams from doing what they're going to do because they're still finding ways to destroy us defensively and score their goals. And it seems like, and maybe this is because we're getting so behind in games that it's just it's just a natural part of the game but we look much better when we play more attacking now i'm not saying going all out attack like we did against fortuna the last 15 minutes but put three in the back and just put more people up and try to attack attack more yes our defense is weak but maybe you gotta put extra midfielders in there uh and and, and assign them the roles of coming back when we lose the ball immediately you know schallenberg cannot do it alone we said it how many times schallenberg can't be the only guy in midfield helping out the defense but I think we've looked so much better, so much more of a threat when, when we turn it to this offensive mode or attacking mode versus that 5-3-2 that we start the games. I mean, we've gone behind how many times now uh, under Gerrard's on this. Uh, but do you think that's that would work or you think that's just a product of us getting behind and the other other team is just being more you know, you know know relaxed because they got a big lead usually? I think it could. I think it I think it honestly could just be like a personnel thing too and getting the right combination of people yeah. out there. I mean, I think like for you mentioned Schallenberg a second ago. I think I'm just kind of out on Schallenberg at this point. But who would you put in? I don't I mean like How many even, options? even 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 Seguin late late in the game moved to the six and, and was yeah. facilitating a little bit better. I'm not saying he has the defensive capabilities to kind of screen for that back line. You think lots of could do it? I mean, neither one of those guys are really who you want in sort of a lone, yeah. like a lone six position in front of that, like back three. If you're gonna maybe two eights or something like that. But that's the thing is, we we switch, we switch shape back to sort of you know, uh, I'm, I'm gonna call it like double pivot. You know what I mean? Like there's two central, yeah, um, midfielders weren't really building up that way. But like, yeah, um, two more holding midfielders and then the one more advanced guy. I mean, I don't know. Um, it certainly seemed like this change of shape helped us in this game. Uh, yeah. So maybe he'll move to that going forward more. Um, I know, I know what you mean though. Like you want, you want to see, you want to see more happening and throwing some people forward potentially. Yeah, not all out like at the end of the Düsseldorf game, but. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's the end all be all for our defensive problems. I'm just saying, you know, like, you have a better chance of. It's easier to not give up goals when you're the one trying to attack on the goal. Um, the Grand Zars kind of attacks, so we get beat for all the time. 
but uh, I think it would just if you, you have the ball, it's less chance that they're gonna have the ball, right? That was the whole Pep Guardiola's mentalities, right? I have the ball, you're not gonna score, right? So, uh, not that we're anywhere near Pep, Pep Guardiola's level, but uh, um, so his last commentary, um, well, you know, we talked about the injury of Drexler, he's out in, for the rest of the year, uh, 2023, uh, with a groin injury, uh, it's a torn muscular fiber injury, whatever. Kabadai, same thing. Uh, he's injured with the same with similar injury. Lots of funny enough, he had he's coming back. He he was out for the same reason. And it's a coincidence that all three guys, a lot of this injuries happened to everyone. They might be overworked in the practices. I don't know. Um, but uh, my last talking point that I want to bring up, and I'm trying to give the credit from the Discord who kind of brought this to my face, to my face, to my to our attention. Um, anyway. You know, I think it was Garfi in, 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 the, in the Discord channel, but uh, he mentioned this, and I'll read the headline for you, Jack. It's a uh, former Schalke board member aims to remove current leadership at Schalke. Um, so this is according to Build, but I've seen other other area other um, outlets reporting this as well that Clemens Tony's is trying to get back in the club, trying to save the club, so to speak. Uh, he has a lot of money. He says he's going to inject Schalke with a lot of money. He's going to try to make the supervisory board um, force the, the upper management out, um, you know, with this money and the promise of bringing Oliver uh, Runert from uh, Union Berlin. Now that's, uh, he's kind of happy in the first division at the moment. I don't know why he would come down to Schalke, uh, but that's what Clemens Tonys is saying. Uh, he's got all this money and he wants to save Schalke, get them back to relevancy First thing many people are going to say is hell no, right? It's Clemens Tony. We know what you did. You're you're a scumbag. But uh, thoughts on on Clemens Tony's trying to get back to the club potentially. This is the rumor. This is the rumor. It's been getting stronger and stronger over the, the last few weeks. Uh, but thoughts upon that? No idea. Um, part of me is like, I wonder how much it's just BS to kind of distract Schalke because we know there's certain yeah. outlets yeah. that enjoy leaking things are kind of creating drama around Shaka and, you know, capitalizing off of when we're in a bad shit situation. Um, I, I mean, I think we were probably well rid of him when we were for kind of what went down. Yeah. Um, I think there's also simultaneously a growing kind of portion of the supporter base and, and kind of feeling generally that Shaka needs to restructure and potentially modernize a bit um, and, and get, get a little more serious and potentially sacrifice, you know, some things to, um, secure our sporting future and our, in our competitiveness. And it, it certainly sounds like Tony's would be the kind of guy that would want to push in that direction. And maybe in this situation, given how bad things are, that's actually more attractive to people than it would have been a couple of years ago uh, when he was, you know, separated initially. Yeah. Um, I still don't see it happening and I'm not sure I, I would want it to happen, but I guess yeah. it's something to keep an eye on and, and monitor. I'm not really putting a whole lot of stock in it at this point yet. That's something that I need to really pay attention too closely to though. Neither am I. If it was another name that had money, I was okay. Maybe there's a chance, but you know, Clemens Tony's, I just, I don't see it. And I, not yeah. that I, I don't necessarily want it. Exactly. Ugh. Um, but you know, this is what I, if we find a way to, right the ship so to speak and get back into the mix in the in this fight the league and not not talking about promotion because I'm I pretty much forgot about that at this point. Um if we can get into the mid table mid table range or even a little bit higher than that, then this point is gonna be moot. But I think if we drop into the third division, I think almost we have no choice but to modernize because there's no more money. We everything we've been doing for the last uh, since Raul left uh, has been gone to the shitter. It's been progressively worse, and you got to try something. You, you know, the definition of insanity is keep doing the same thing and expecting change, and it hasn't happened yet. And I think, hopefully, we don't get to that point. But if we do eventually get relegated again, you're gonna have to think of something. Think outside the box. That 50 plus one might not be the greatest solution for us uh, going forward. So, but I don't know. I'm not there. I'm not there with Tony's at all. It just this this came up, and I'm like. Oof. I don't, I don't, I don't want it. But uh, my goodness, uh, I know, I, I know the supervisory board are trying to get away from the sporting director role per se, and, and yeah. do something more modern in that sense. But uh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know about all this. So we just got to get some results, man. This is, this is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think these conversations would be happening to the extent that they are right now if we were sitting fourth on the table, for example. So um, it's amazing what a couple results in quick succession can do to kind of paper over some of the cracks so hopefully we get that and uh can kind of put some of this talk to the back burner for the time being yeah speaking of which um we're, we're sitting at 13 points right now which is unreal we're 
10 points behind seventh place Hanover, but uh, you know, only three points behind Hansa and Karlsruhe and Magdeburg. And, you know, a couple of results, you know, six points, and we jump all the way up to 10th position. You know, that's how crazy this fight league is. But our next game on Friday, uh, you have the, the Hamburg Derby, which is going to be amazing. Um, un, unbeaten St. Pauli against Hamburg. But uh, we play also Friday, a double game on Friday with Osnabrück. Uh, finally, a team that were ahead of the table. Um, they're sitting at the bottom of the table on seven points, six points uh, behind must us. Must win. It's absolutely a must win uh, because um, we got the, the break coming up soon. And after that, we got Hansa Rostock. Uh, after like what nine days, a big big layoff after that, and then uh, one so two, three more games, including Osnabrück. We have three games before the big international break or big uh, winter pause before we get Hamburg to kick things off in the in the in the Rookrunde. But uh, yeah, we got to win. It's twelve. It's a midday game, 12 30 p.m. Eastern time. It's a must win, Jack. We it's relegation no- six pointer, my friend. Um, <laughs> yeah, but as Dirk says in the chat, two wins in a row, and we'll start talking about promotion. That's the way it goes. No, it's just, you know. That's all we need, you know. Good, the, the good vibes will come back if we can string a couple of results together. And uh, Osnabrück needs to be the first in that chain. Um, yeah, as we approach the winter pause, just got to get the momentum going. You got to just figure it out. And luckily, it's a long winter pause. They can hopefully figure things out. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, who knew? In a, in a loss, we could talk for fifty minutes plus. Uh, but uh, hey, there we are. So anyway, uh, anything else, Jack? Because I'm I'm good. Losing my voice. No, I, I think we uh, put that one to bed. Put that one to bed, like hopefully we did with Clemens Tony's, right? But we could yeah. use money. We could certainly use money. So, all right, Jack, uh, where can our followers find you on uh, social media? At JMMangan, J M M A N G A N on Twitter. Wonderful. You can find me at R underscore K H A R M A N. More importantly, follow us at Shalk America, both on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, anywhere across social media. Uh, podcasts can be found anywhere you stream podcasts and audio. Uh, if you're listening or watching on YouTube, or if, you, if you're not and you're listening, go to our YouTube page, subscribe, like and like the comments and the videos. Uh, be much appreciated. We're gonna try to put some more videos out. Uh, even talk about a little bit about uh, Thomas Oyan and uh, comparison to what he and Timo ba- Timo Baumgartel have done. Uh, we recently put a video on um, on. Young Odraogo picking up an injury for uh, at the U17 World Cup. Uh, he's out for the remainder of 2023 with a with an injury. Um, and I forget what the injury is now. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, but uh, it, it's not as bad as it seemed initially. And then uh, also, you know, we'll talk about the the youth academies uh, as best we can as well. So, all right, uh, we will catch you guys. Uh, not during the game. The game's at 12.30. We'll catch you next week uh, at some point, probably Monday, but we'll, we'll, we'll let you know. We'll let you know. So, <laughs> for Jack, I'm Richard. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week, and uh, let's hopefully get a result this Friday. So, Klug auf! Klug auf!